Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Renaissance. Um, to be honest with you, uh, before we actually go into any of this, a couple people have already asked me this morning, are you nervous? And I'm like, well, no, I'm not really nervous about what exactly I'm going to say. I'm a little more nervous about what Joe Oval is going to say before I come on the stage. Um, yeah, so that was very surprising, Joe. Uh, Joe has become someone who is more like a brother to me uh, just because of the fun little Uh, conversations that we'll have time and time and time again. But anyhow, enough about Joe. We're going to talk about Jesus today. Um, So anyhow, uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about me, a little bit. We're not going to go through all 29 years of my life because we would probably be here for like five hours or so, so I'm not going to make you suffer through that. Um, But I feel like it's important for me to explain a little bit about me so you have uh, a better understanding of where we're actually going to go today with that one thing. Uh, Like Joe said, one of the uh, many things that I am blessed with the opportunity of being able to do is leading the uh, young adult ministry, leading the production team, leading the student ministry, and all of these things are um, important to me, I guess. And I think it's important for us to understand this uh, because something that Joe has said, something that Jeff has said from this very platform time and time and time again is that uh, they're hopeful and optimistic for the future of Renaissance. Um, And I just want to echo those things. And even though I've been here only a a matter of months uh, now and haven't necessarily had the opportunity to meet uh, a lot of you, I'm looking forward to that. But one of the things I see is community happening here. I see community happening organically among every single ministry that is happening here. And it's, it's something that makes me hopeful. It's something that makes me optimistic for uh, what our church is going to be able to do here in the future. Um, before we dive into it, um, I have one shameless plug real quick. Because there is one thing that I am passionate about, and, and that is student ministry. And we're, we're approaching the season uh, in time where we're about to go to summer camp. And you might be thinking, man, God bless you for being a brave soul who's going to go to summer camp and just not have any sleep the whole week. Well, thank you. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where I just want to say thank you to those of you who have been uh, willing to sponsor several of our students who, who need uh, the resources to be able to go to camp. And um, I just want to let you know um, that there are several students. We have about seven students uh, who are still needing sponsors for camp. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to sponsor at least one. Um, So if you have a heart for students, if you're like, I want to sponsor a kid for camp, um, talk to me afterwards and and we can get you the information for that. So enough with that. Let's talk about Jesus. Um, One of the things that I enjoy about Jesus is the fact that he has uh, the uncanny ability to be able to tell stories in a way that helps people connect to the Father. 
And one of the things that I even enjoy more than that, maybe, is just the fact that when he is with the disciples, one of the things, uh, one of the first encounters that he has with the disciples is that they're out fishing. And one of the things that I have actually um, enjoyed a lot over the past couple of months is just being able to go fish. Now, I'm not up here saying I'm a professional fisherman by any means because like there's probably a handful of you here in this room right now who are like, man, I am a professional fisherman. Yeah, you would blow me out of the water and you would be like, you're not even fishing the right way. I still catch fish by the grace of God and somehow we make it work. So I, I love going fishing and um, a couple weeks ago I went fishing with uh, a couple kids who are like brothers and sisters to me and uh, one of my dear friends. And so we're getting ready to fish, we're getting the hooks on the lines and everything like that. And um, I end up casting my line into the water because I'm ready to go, I'm ready to be there for the next four to five hours and hopefully we'll see what we catch. I see my line go under the water. I feel a fish just take my pole. I'm like, oh boy, I just tossed my line out there the first time and I caught something and I begin to reel it in only to find out we're not uh, gonna be catching this fish because your reel is broken. <laughs> and I'm just like, how fitting. <laughs> and so, I easily could have been frustrated in that moment. I could have easily been like, all right, kids, let's get in the car, we're done. We're not fishing today because Chris is frustrated and irritated. I could have easily just been like, all right, y'all wait here, I'm gonna go to Walmart and get a new fishing pole. But instead, I took that as an opportunity to do something. I took that as an opportunity to help these kids make sure that they were fishing to the best of their ability and by best of their ability, the best that Chris knows how to fish because he really doesn't. But if it wasn't for that fishing pole breaking, part of me wonders if I even would have had the opportunity to do that. And it made me think, that fishing experience in itself, it made me think about how we are, how we interact with people. Because you, believe it or not, fishing and dealing with people are quite similar. Fishing for fish, you have to be patient, you have to be intentional about where you're going to cast your line. Fishing for people, like Jesus called the disciples to do, it requires the same thing, to be patient and to be intentional about where exactly you're going to meet people at, whether it's going to be Walmart, whether it's going to be church, whether it's my favorite taco spot, Taqueria La Perlita because we all know that Jesus loves tacos. Anyhow, we won't, we won't go any more on that. But we have to be patient and we have to be intentional. One of the things that I, I came to the realization of uh, during 2020, I know that 2020, we're not gonna talk about it, don't worry. Um, but one of the things I realized through it um, I spent a lot more time in the Bible than I normally had. And you might be like, that's kind of weird. You work at a church and you spent a lot more time during that year. Well, I had nothing better to do. Um, so I just sat at home and just went through the Bible. And when I'm going through the Bible, it was interesting because I saw how God was faithful time and time and time again from the pastors to the pits to the palace to the prisons where God was continuously being faithful in the midst of circumstances, not always being the best. God was faithful in the midst of people's pitfalls. God was faithful in the midst of people's progress. So you might be sitting there 
wondering. Okay, get on with it, Chris. Tell us what that one thing is that God is wanting to tell you. What is that one thing that God is wanting to speak through you today to Renaissance? Before we actually dive into that, because I want to build a little bit of tension and make you be like, just say it already. I want to share a quote with you from um, a pastor named Tim Lucas who wrote this church, wrote this book, not church, wrote this book called Liquid Church. And here's what he says. He says that our job is to build a spiritual bridge to thirsty people in our community. Those who may have given up on church, but haven't given up on God. haven't given up on God. Our job is to build a spiritual bridge to the people in our community. So my one thing for us, it's actually a question. What is that one thing that you want to be known for? It's heavy, isn't it? Let's look at it like this. What is that one thing that you want Renaissance to be known for? Makes us think a little bit more. What do we want to be known for? Do we even know what we're for? Let's look at it like this. If tomorrow Renaissance was going to shut down, would our community notice? If Renaissance shut down tomorrow, would our community notice? I would hope so. We're meeting people where they are. If we are loving people like we should, I think they will. Makes me wonder. Because whenever I was wrestling through this passage of scripture that we're about to dive into after I pray, it took a little bit. It it was something that I wrestled with through uh, with a couple of my dear friends And it made me even do self-reflecting questions of, are we seeing the people that Jesus saw? Are we serving the people that Jesus served? Are we sitting with the people that Jesus served? Before we dive into our our Bible study for today, I just want to take a moment to, to pray for us. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time, this, this privilege that we have just to be able to come together to worship you and to study your word together. God, I pray that you speak to us in a way that is unique to each and every one of us. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. So there is this church in Georgia called Gwinnett Church, and it's led, it was led by this man uh, named Jeff Henderson. He worked for Chick-fil-A. If you love Chick-fil-A, yay, we can be friends. If not, I'll pray for you tonight. Um, but anyhow, Jeff Henderson, um, he, he planted this church, and when they're getting ready to build uh, their church building, something that we've seen with restaurants, something that we've seen with businesses, is they'll put up a sign outside of where their location is going to be, letting the whole community know what exactly is going there. Now, if someone knows that there's a Chick-fil-A that's about to pop up in Decatur, please let me know. But anyhow, um, they did something unique with their sign. They didn't put Gwinnett Church is going to be here. What they ended up doing was they put two words. They put for Gwinnett 
on the church sign. And the reasoning for that um, is very unique. I think it's very profound um, because of what he says. Jeff Henderson, he said that many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. We should be known for what we're for. I'm like, man, that's deep. Because it, it probably isn't hard for any of us to hop on social media and see what people are saying about the church. It shouldn't be hard for any of us to find people that we interact with daily who are saying things about the church. It makes me even wonder about the question, do we even know what the church is for? Because we can easily, and I'm just as guilty as anyone, I don't want to say it like I'm up here, like I'm perfect by any means, I'm not. But do we know what we're for? Because it's easy for us to get, get stuck in rhythms where we're trying to figure out life, where we're trying to figure out everything, and we can easily lose sight of anything. We see that something's not working, and I know this probably is going to speak a lot more to the guys in the room, because um, we can be stubborn when it comes to building things. We can be stubborn when it comes to like using instructions of any kind. But when we realize that something is broken, say, actually, we'll, we'll use this one, because whenever I started my car this morning, I looked down at my dash, and I saw that I had a low tire. So the very first thing that I did whenever I parked my car when I got here this morning was get out of the car and look to see if I could find a nail or something that was in my tire. You're just like, okay, what do we do when we're frustrated when things aren't working the way they're supposed to? Because I'm going to be 100% honest with you. When I got in my car this morning and saw the low tire light on, I'm like, really? I'm like, that's so dumb. My friend, my friend and I were at the same place yesterday, and he ended up getting a nail in his tire. So like, my thought went to, I got a nail in my tire. And I'm like, man, that's a way to start a Sunday morning. So what do we do when we're frustrated? What do we do when our hearts are grieving, when things are broken, when things aren't working the way that they're supposed to? There's a character uh, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, named Nehemiah, and he's this very, he grows into being a leader because he's an assistant to the king, and what he ends up doing is something that I think is um, inspirational because this man uh, who's an assistant to the king, he, he realizes um, through a messenger that his homeland, his ancestor's home has been destroyed to an extent. The gates have been burned down, the walls have been destroyed, and Nehemiah, his heart is broken because something that was um, near and dear to him was no longer. And so Nehemiah, he sat to cry, he knelt to pray, and he stood to act. And in a matter of 52 days, the walls were rebuilt by families, section by section by section. Something that's even more interesting, I think, is that this wall was built by a group of misfits. None of them were professional construction workers. None of them were contractors. None of them were engineers. Yet they built a wall in 52 days. 
And so it's stories like that. It's stories all throughout the Bible that we'll end up finding that we can see God being faithful time and time again. We can see that God is using people to do extraordinary things in the midst of being broken. I find that to be helpful. I don't know about you. So today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, to start things off. And this is where we are able to find what the church is known for. So the words are going to be up on the screen if you don't happen to have a Bible with you today. In verse 42, it said, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So you can sum this up here, that the church is known for being generous and the church is growing. What we see here, we see that the church is committed in a multitude of different ways. They're committed to being in community with one another. They're committed to being in the word together. They're committed to praying together. They're committed to worshiping together. They're committed to being they're committed to being engaged in outreach together. So you can sum it up in three words here. That the church is known for gathering, growing, and going. That's the church. In the midst of its brokenness, that is the church. So the church is a community that needs to impact the community. That's not even the bulk of the scripture that we're actually going to be staying in today. Because it's easy, for us to, um, it's easy for us to look at what church is supposed to look like, but I think the tension lies within what is supposed to happen before and after. And so we'll pick up in uh, Acts chapter 3, but before we dive into that... Um, Daniel Brown mentioned a little bit of it last week in the passage that he was in because he, he mentioned two of the main characters that we'll, we'll see here um, in Acts 3, Peter and John. Peter and John, they're very uh, unique because then, um, then the way people had seen Peter before. Peter was someone who had a faulty faith. Peter was someone who failed often. John was beloved by Jesus. He had a close relationship with Jesus. And now you see both of these guys being a staple within the church as they carry the message forward. So we'll pick up in Acts chapter 3 as we see the church go to the streets. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily 
at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up. He stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. So something... There's something unique about this man who is sitting at the gate begging for money. This man has been this way for 40 years. He's hopeless and helpless, and day by day, he has people carrying him to the gate. He has people carrying him to the gate every single day. Makes me wonder if he's expecting different results when he goes to the gate. Maybe that's just the life he knows. He doesn't know anything different. He doesn't have anyone who's going to come alongside him and show him the way. So he's carried daily to the gate. When I was wrestling uh, through this passage with a couple of my friends, um, I wondered, why exactly is he just being carried to the gate? Why isn't he going any further than the gate? The man saw Peter and John approaching, probably wondering, are these guys going to even give me any kind of attention? Are they even going to see me as they walk by on their way to the temple? They see him. They see him, and they don't leave him there. We see in verse 3 what it said. So that Peter and John, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Verse 4, it says, Peter directed his gaze at him. As did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. They see the man. They don't see his condition. They see a man who wants money, but they recognize that this man needs something different. So what do Peter and John do? What do they do? Verse 7, it says, He took him by the right hand after they say, In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. It says that he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. So Peter and John, they're being visible and they're being vocal in this moment. They see this man. They're determined not to leave him there. They say, rise up and walk. 
They extend a hand, and they go on to venture with the man. The the man's response is, is interesting to me because he didn't end up getting what he asked for. He wanted money, but he got something different. He got something different. He, he had Peter and John who were willing to say, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus, and they extended a hand to him. And the man is leaping with joy. He's ecstatic. He's ecstatic. All because people met him where he was at. And it makes me wonder how many people actually went by beforehand. What would have happened if Peter and John didn't come along? How much longer would he have been sitting there? Verse 8, it tells us that he he leapt up, he stood, and he began to walk, and he entered the temple with them. They're visible, they're vocal, and they're willing to venture with this man. Even though there's going to be other people there, They entered the temple together. The man is walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him. They recognized this man as the one who was sitting at the gate called Beautiful. They responded with wonder and amazement. This man is overjoyed. Kind of going back to that question I asked earlier. How come the guy didn't actually make it past the gate? That's difficult to to try and think. If you're like me, you probably can think of 50 million different scenarios in your head and you're like, I hope my brain stops because you can overthink. But here in this moment, we see this man laid at the gate daily by people, not going any further than the gate. It makes me wonder if people didn't want him around just because of his condition. But the thing about this man, um, the thing about this man is that um, his condition, that was visible on the outside. Sometimes the condition isn't noticeable by people. So it makes me wonder, it makes me think, is the reason why this guy wasn't going any further than the gate because of his condition? Is he not going any further because, oh, you're not polished enough to come in? All sorts of different things. Makes me think, um, and I'm speaking uh, from my perspective now uh, because I definitely fit in this category uh, before. That's one of those things that in the past six years where I've, I've been involved in student ministry and just been in the community and everything um, like that, where one of the things I want to do is be able to embrace people better and being able to see that over the past six years of being able to be blessed with doing ministry in Decatur. Um, it, it's one of those things where when we go and meet people where they're at, regardless of their condition, regardless of their circumstances. It's amazing to see what God is going to be able to do in the lives of people when we are willing to be faithful, when we're willing to be available, when we're willing to be teachable. 
Because I believe that if we end up doing those three things, if we are faithful, if we are available, and if we are going to be teachable, I believe that God is going to use us individually in a unique and extraordinary way. But what would that even look like if we all were faithful, if we all were available, if we all were teachable, and we're able to impact our city in a way that is far greater than what we could ever imagine? So back to that question, why are we so resistant? I know for me, there was a period of time where I was just straight up uncomfortable around people. That's one of those fun little lessons whenever you're early on in, in ministry where you have to get used to being around people. And it's easy for us to think that ministry, the only way that it can happen is if it's up here on a stage like this. But in those six years of leading a student ministry, um, one of the greatest things I've been able to see, it's not just the ministry that happens here. Yes, this is important. This is important for us to be able to come together, to sing our praises, to study the word together. But that community is just as important as being on the outside of these four walls. Because in some of the experiences that I've had, some of the encounters that I've had, I've seen a lot more fruit in, in the ministry um, that I have been able to be a part of with friends and family that has taken place outside of the church walls as opposed to inside the church walls. And it's because of the fruit that happens on the outside that sometimes you see even more fruit happen on the inside because of the work that has been done outside. One of the things, um, one of the things I think about a lot is the uh, investment of my youth pastor in my life. And I know there's a couple people in the room who have the same youth pastor as me, uh, and they can attest to it just as much as I can um, because of how vocal and visible and his willingness to venture with each of us uh, in our young teenage years where we could be quite rebellious in a way. But if it wasn't for my youth pastor who was uh, going to encourage me, who was going to challenge me, and even uh, call me out in those wonderful moments and just tell me I'm stupid. I might not have necessarily had the best blueprint for what ministry looked like if it wasn't for that. And that's one of the things we see here in this passage of scripture in Acts 3. We see... Peter and John being intentional. We see them being willing to be vocal, to be visible, to be willing to venture with people. And I know we all can be hesitant because uh, if you know some of the people that are close to me, yeah, Chris can be hesitant at times. But I think something that God is calling us to be able to do is to push through and go beyond it because um, embracing broken things can be hard. It can be difficult. Just like that fishing pole that I had that uh, I magically broke the reel somehow. Maybe it was because I had a cheap fishing pole from Walmart. I don't know. 
But if it wasn't for that moment where the fishing pole broke, I don't know if I would have had the opportunity to be able to teach, um, teach the kids how to fish. I had to look beyond the broken fishing pole in order to do that. And not get frustrated, not get irritated, even though my first reaction probably was frustration and being very irritated. I had to push through. I mean, granted, um, yeah, I did teach him how to fish, but I also ended up getting a hook in my calf. We won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> that was painful. So the thing I want us to think about, this man at the gate. What's your gate? I'm not focused on the place of the gate. I'm more focused about who the person is at the gate. Your gate can be um, your family. Your gate can be your workplace. Your gate can be your friend circle. Your gate can be those random interactions that you have with people at Walmart or wherever you go. So my one thing, that thing that I want to be known for, the thing that I hope that you want to be known for as well, is will we embrace people? I'm not even going to throw the word broken people in there because if we're being honest, that's me. That's you. We're all broken. The thing about being broken, um, two things can happen. Broken people either bruise people or they build up people. Which one do you want to be? Because I believe that God is calling us to be a generous and growing and going church. He's calling us. Are we going to hear him? Are we going to listen for him? Yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable at first. But when we begin to take the steps in the direction where we're following Jesus, we're following his words, we're following the patterns that we see in the Bible time and time and time and time again, we'll realize we're, we're on that path to doing what Jesus called us to do, to go and make disciples just like that. Um, the last song that we played said, driven by love. two things that Jesus said, the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second being, love your neighbor as yourself. Believe it or not, your neighbor is not just the person who has the residence next door to you. They're not the, just the person who is at the apartment next to you. It's the people who you're sitting next to here at church. It's the people who you're gonna run into whenever you go and eat at a restaurant after church today. The random people you see at Walmart. Because believe it or not, there's people who need to hear your story. Because each one of us, we have a unique story where God has used us in a way where he's speaking to us and he's wanting to use our story to give other people hope. But if we're hesitant, 
to even share that story, then we might miss the person that God is calling us to. And I don't want that to happen for us because God is calling us to embrace his people. So if we have found freedom through Jesus, if we have found hope through Jesus, why wouldn't we want to share that with other people? Because it might be your story that you're able to connect with someone that gives them hope for their future. I'll end with this. A generous and growing and going church cannot be that if we lose sight of what we're supposed to do. We can't embrace the people that God is calling us to if we only love him on Sunday and deny him throughout the rest of the week. So what is that one thing? What is that one thing that you want to be known for? You want to be known for embracing people? I know I do. I hope that you do. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us because I believe that there are people in this room and joining us online as well who um, just need to know that they are alive to tell a story, their story, to be able to connect others to Jesus and to help them know that they are loved and that they can find freedom and hope through him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for, thank you for this opportunity that we have just to be able to come together here to be challenged by your word. God, I pray as we leave here today, I pray that we recognize who those people are that we need to embrace. Maybe we're already on that journey of embracing the people that you're wanting us to embrace. Help us, Lord. Help us as we go throughout our week, striving to make your name known, to help people connect with you, to help them find hope, to help them find healing, and to help them find freedom through you. God, I thank you for all that you've done and all that you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.